podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's coming at you at a time when things are quite good for Liverpool and I hope that's still the case when you're listening to this but to be honest by the time you listen to this there'll still be so much going up for Liverpool I'm sure it's just been one of those seasons. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm joined today again by Jay Reid as we look ahead and look back a bit to what's been going on and there's so much been going on it's all involving trophies but that's good that's good because it's May we've not picked any up in May yet but this is the month when we go gathering them and as we record this it's sort of in the wake of us making sure that we're going to be in a Champions League final uh anything quickly to say on that Jay or you know that's not so obvious I think we all know what what we think about it It was just what a night and what a night the night after as well yeah I think it was you know falsely portrayed that we were we were in trouble of going out I heard on the Martin Keown put a quote out on talk sports I think it was for the you know the drivel that they all put out it was like talking about West Ham this morning at the radio one and he was saying, you know, West Ham went out and City went out and Liverpool nearly went out. Like, we never did, did we? <laughs> yes. at, at any point we were drawn. <laughs> that was it. Um, but yeah, I think it was, you know, the old cliche, the game of two halves. But, um, you know, there's been enough said about that game for everyone to listen to. But I think it just showed what type of team we are that, you know, in times of adversity and when we could look like we're under a little bit of pressure, you know, calm heads will prevail and the maturity and the experience and the professionalism of the lads and just the quality shone through in the end. And I think everybody knew we couldn't play much worse than what we did in the first half, really. Um, so the second half was the real Liverpool and the real Liverpool was clearly far too good for uh, Villarreal for all, all the credit they got where they, where they did. Um through a lot of hard games, but they deserve to be there. If you're in the Champions League semi-final, you deserve to be there. Um, you don't get through on sheer luck. And then the night after, um, I always fancied Madrid to win on the night, and I did say um, to a few friends, I, I fancied them an extra time because it's Madrid. It's the Bernabeu. It's, you know, everything about it. Like, they've got it and City don't. Um, and then even going into like the last few minutes, I was like, just... Just get one with ten minutes to go, and it'll all happen. And you know, they left it till eighty nine. But as it as it transpired, you know, the experience, the the nous, the the know how, the professionalism, all shone through once again. Um, and as Jose Mourinho once said, it's football heritage that sometimes when you do these things. Yeah, yeah, and I think we look at heritage for Man City as well. It's like, I mean, something something I remember being spoken about about the old Liverpool teams, and it was sort of mentioned about. Alex Ferguson's teams and then it kind of to me it's sort of coming back to us now in, in terms of what it what helps you with things is is experience and I'm talking about experience of actually going through what you have to go through to pick up that bit of silverware which you know it, it's picking the trophy up it's easy getting to the point where you can pick it up is not easy and having the experience of doing that is something that once they've had it and I've heard this so many times once they've had it they are so hungry to have it again that that is what drives them on into the next season so it's not just about experience in the sense of knowing how things work it's more like it's like the desire and I think sadly for Man City and against Real Madrid um, I mean something we can also mention is that Real Madrid were already wearing shirts saying that they'd won it is it 14 times um, yeah, let, let's go yeah. for 14 I think it was translated right. roughly okay because I heard people saying they were already acting as if they'd got 14 but the thing is what would what would City t-shirts have said if they'd done the same thing you know let's try and win it for the first ever time and that's the thing their experience is only of losing of going out in semis of getting to finals and losing and you know that's that's what their experience is, and and I think 
I think that's going to be something that drives Pep Guardiola mad because he, I don't know. I mean, you can't call him a failure, but I think in his own mind, he'll consider himself not to have been a complete success if he doesn't get that that Champions League at some point. And he's come close, but no cigar. I think, well, failure may be a big word to use for him, but in in an aspect, he he was brought in to win the Champions League. Um, You know, he was deemed the best coach in the world by by many, um, and rightly so for some of the things he's done in football. Um, And he's been given every possible opportunity, every gift he could ever want, as much money as all the players he wanted. He's had them all. Uh, maybe Barden Harry came because Daniel Levy wouldn't sell him to him last year, but he's got no real excuse. He's sculptured this team over what six years, seven years is it now he's been there. Mm-hmm. Um and his remit probably was on day one, we want to win the Champions League. We want, we want to be the champions of Europe and then like as Liverpool and Chelsea have gone on in recent years to be champions of the world for the year, um that, that luxury of winning the Champions League brings and it's all about like the glitz and the glamour and the name and, you know, being the best of whatever, like for the Middle Eastern uh, owners and they've not got that. So, yeah, if you look at it in cold, hard reality, he's failed on that respect. Obviously, he's won a multitude of trophies in the meantime, but when it comes down to it, the big one that he's, he's been asked to do, he, he doesn't seem to be able to do it. And you can look at many things, but... At the end of the day, he sculptured this team into what he wanted and it's clearly just not good enough. They haven't got the minerals, as some might say. It's just, I don't know. Will, will he will he continue to give it a go or will this, as the the brain mad person that Pep is, just eat him up inside and he'll, he'll self-combust and actually just think, well, I, I can never do it because I've come so close so many times and there's always this or that that stops me and... I don't know whether he'll, his contract runs out next year, whether he'll just jack it in next year and go, like, right, well, we go next year all in for it. And if he doesn't get it, then he has to hold his hands up and walk away because he might never ever get it, especially at City anyway. I think it's um, it's good that we, we, we're having this conversation now that we're sort of, I think it's good to sort of say that we aren't assuming that we're going to go and win anything this month. We we know, and I think it's clear the players know, that we know we've got a, we've still got a lot to do. We've still got a long way to go half a dozen games and we could end up with no more trophies than we've got now which currently is one because we won the league cup but the truth is that you know we we're in there we're fighting and i think it's one thing that was interesting as well was when you were talking about villarreal that they've not had a great season in the league but they've done so well in the champions league and i think you know you wonder whether you know in, in the past have city done well in the cups, because you can kind of play a, a weaker team, but their weaker team will still be an expensive one. Still, probably more expensive than most of the other teams in the top flight would would pour out. But even so, it gives you a bit of room for rotation. But having the quality to do it in in the league and the Champions League might just be a step too far. And I think you know we're so close in the in the league now. Any any issues that Liverpool have had in terms of not winning the league, you can almost Unless something happens now, you can almost put back to when uh, when things were going on around Christmas and COVID and stuff like that. It's such a long time ago, but the squad is so strong. And I think I think the thing that underlines that is, as you say, there we were against Villarreal. We weren't playing well. They, they kind of played us at our own game. We couldn't handle that. The, their fans were on their side. It felt like, oh, you know, an intimidating atmosphere, if you like. It was just great, great from them, poor from us. But then on came Luis Diaz, who, you know, one of those January signings that people say you should never bother with. It, it's, again, when we need to strengthen, we strengthen. When we need to let people go, we, we quietly let them go. We're not we're not sort of buying people for the sake of it. We're not overspending. We're getting what we need and we're paying what we think we should pay and what's affordable and, and sustainable. And I think the the way we played the other night, yeah, first half embarrassment, but... You wouldn't know anything about it by the second half. The way the way we turned that round, it was just really. I felt like it was Diaz just sort of saying to his teammates, "Come on, do you realise what's going on here? Wake up! We've got a game to win." And I seen, a, I seen a, a good good uh, tweet the other night. It was like <laughs> Luis Diaz channeling us in a Ginny Wine album in the old, <laughs> in the Barcelona tie where he would come on and it was like right sleeves up. It's it's time for business sort of thing. But one one point I would get on is like I think 
over the over the past what five six years, especially on the clock, or going back many years, our our main issue has always been we never had enough quality in the squad, and the squad has always been like just too short. And even going into this season, there was probably question marks of have we got enough? And you know, myself included, and many others, we probably needed one or two more. We probably would like the luxury of one or two more in certain um, positions, but I think we've been very savvy this year in terms of squad rotation, bringing players in and out and resting players and allowing players to come back from injuries in their own time rather than being rushed. I mean, look at Kyle Walker, for example, with Man City tonight. He was rushed in for that game and he broke down after about 55, 60 minutes and he may not feature again for the rest of the season. It was it was a gamble. Um, but I think what, what, what makes you feel really good now as a Liverpool fan is any game you look at, you look at the bench and you think, wow, we, we've, we've, we've got game changes there. Like, we, only a year, 18 months ago, we were looking at the likes of, you know, don't, no disrespect to the lads, but the likes of Ben Woodburn and Reese Williams on the bench and, you know, maybe other, other youngsters, Leighton Clarkson was getting on there. Even like towards credit Tyler Morton, he's still not ready to be a Liverpool top professional player yet, but he, he's got the potential. But, We've only used him a couple of times this year, but now you look at the bench and there's there's lads not making the squad. Oxley Chamberlain's missed out, Harvey Elliott's missed out, Minamino, Origi. And you look at Man City and I've got to be honest, there's lads on their bench who we don't know who they are and they're only literally missing two or three players, I think, through injury. And I think, again, that's on the manager. That's obviously on the manager and the club. But you, you'd always think that the final say in transfers comes down to the manager. Do they want to play it or not? And we've touched it many a times across across the, the couple of years. Like City have let big players, leaders in their team go, in their squad go, and not replaced them. I mean, look at who they lost last year. They lost Aguero, and then mm-hmm. you bring it in Jack Grealish. Like, it, 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 it's night and day in what, in what you lose, not only as a player, but also like what you bring in professionalism, off the field, experience. Like, it, it, it's night and day, and... I think we've we've just been so savvy in our recruitment and you know the the summer window is around the corner and you'd imagine most of our business is pretty much ninety percent done or any deals that we're we're interested in we're, we're way down the line we're getting these players over the, the line and, and registered I mean the Fabio Carvalho one stems back to January but it's as good as you know done he, he basically announced it himself and his his club have said like yeah yeah we wish him all the best and it's just. The, the type of operation we're running, it, it's a different level to anyone. Um, you know, we, we can look at the neighbours down the road, we can look at the neighbours across Stanley Park and their operations that they're running. It, it's it's absolute suicide. Like they're, they're literally carving the body apart and we're surgically just putting everything right together on the field and off the field. It, it, it's, it's, it's the difference. That's what makes us what we are. I think what we do as well is we get the right kind of play. You mentioned Grealish. There's no way Grealish would have fitted in at Anfield, no matter... What his skill set might be, you know, I just don't think he would have fitted in. I just don't think he's the kind of person that we would that we would want. And maybe that's not helping him at City because he's not he's not the star, and he maybe thinks he should be the star. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm doing him a, a disservice, but I just don't feel he would fit in at Anfield in the, the way his personality is. Yet you look at the plays we do bring in, and it's vital for Klopp and the, and the coaches that. It's not just about what they can do on the field. It's what the temperament is, what what their attitude is, what they're like with the teammates. And that's kind of been the Liverpool way since back in the boot room days. And I do feel, I mean, there's loads of comparisons between now and in the boot room days. And I think it depends what we end up end this season with. But it's hard now to actually say that this team is not as good <laughs> as what was what was there in the 70s and 80s. That's how good we are at the moment. But we let's see some silverware just to confirm it, maybe. Maybe that's the last bit of shred for the older teams to kind of admit that they've been surpassed. That's how good this team is. But it's not just about the skills. It's about the, the attitudes, the personalities, how they want to play, why they want to play. There's a lot of stuff about Mo Salah and his new contract, whether it happens or not. It's clear from what he said that it's not about money. And if it was, he probably wouldn't have even come here in the first place if it was about money. And I'm sure... You know, I'm sure that's the case with a lot. They don't want to get paid nothing, obviously, but you know, money's not the key thing. And when you get look at clubs like like City paying all that money for one player, it reminds me in a way of I think I've said this before about going back to when Alex Ferguson took um, that lad once a blue, always a blue Wayne Rooney over to Man United, 
and they basically spent the whole transfer budget on one player. And I remember thinking at the time, and they did something similar with Rio Ferdinand, is that that's a hell of a gamble that you're taking here. Because if that player turns out to get an injury a couple of games in, that he takes a whole season to recover from, or just turns out not to fit, just, you know, gets unsettled, whatever it is, that's all that money going on that one player. You're not sort of, you're not sort of thinking about the rest of your squad. And I feel, you know, is that what Sissy have done with Grealish? Have they just basically focused on getting like a marquee signing as they see him and not thought about the rest of the team? Is that kind of what's happening at Goodison as well, that they're just spending money thinking, we'll just buy some big name, high figure transfer, you know, high transfer fee players. This will help us win. And then a couple of years on, you realise not only is it not help you win, it's put you in a bad place and you've no money left to replace them. And I think it's just the overall thing with Liverpool that we just, I know I'm biased, but I just think we do things the right way. And, Every player that we sign, I would say these days, is someone that you'd have no problem with kind of having as you may, introducing to your family, living next door to whatever. You know, they're not they're not people that you'd hate to live near, are they? I think in a weird way it's sort of it's like a reflection of the people of the city. Right. We would it's not all about having the flash thing, it's about mm-hmm. having just a happy family, having, you know, everybody around you happy and smiling. And I think, you know, if you if you've got the luxury to have a, a nice car or a nice house or something, then that that that's great. But for some people in the world, it that's all it is. It's to be on end or to have the big flashy thing, the name tag on the clothes. It has to be the newest, the most expensive thing that's on the market. Where I think just as a mentality, like scouts people in general are just like, well, as long as everyone around us is happy and having a good time, mm. then that that's okay. Then that's good enough. Like you don't need to go and spend hundreds and thousands on lavish birthday parties if you get all the people around to your house and you have a party in the kitchen or the back garden it's just as good because the people that you want there are happy and i'm not saying like that's that's how the club are doing things and reading things but it in a way it does sort of reflect that that lifestyle of what we live as it we're a community we keep everybody close to us happy and you make sure that your friends are always happy and, and like you're there for everybody and you've always got a, a shoulder to lean on or a shoulder to cry on or you know it's it's just a reflection of the people I think and yeah it, maybe not so much with Everton like they call themselves the people's club but you know the, the people aren't happy unless they're carrying a dog through the streets um, I mean I prefer to walk my dog on a lead but that's just me um, I'm sure they were on Granada reports you know the next night and they said they don't even watch football they were just trying to get through that was the only way they I, could do it I mean, so they haven't even got their own com- dog. Common common sense would say like, if you if you were taking your dog for a walk, you know, if you live near a football ground, you don't go when the football's on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very odd, and you know, it, he was labelled as some sort of Greek god that this dog was paraded through the crowds and whatever. Um, but yeah, the, the the people's club, the odd people. Um, that's I think all the, the best and nicest thing you could probably say about them at, at this current time, but. Yeah, just getting back to it. I think it's the type of people in city that we are that we're we're a welcoming city and we're a cultural city. Everybody knows that. Like, there's many different cultures and and lifestyles that live here and and visit. And no matter where you come from, you're always welcome. And I think that's that's the sort of portrayal within the club. And Klopp gets the club, he gets the city, he gets the people. I think it's just such a happy, harmonious marriage that that's also led into the success that we've got. I think the other thing as well in, in this city as well is that you'll be put in your place pretty quickly if you do have ideas above your station. You know, a bit of bit of sarcasm thrown at you. You'll know you'll know straight away you've overstepped your mark. And if you've got any sense, you know, you'll learn from that bit of sarcasm because that's that's oh, what yeah. it is. And, yeah, I mean, it, there's know. always a welcome arm to welcome you in, but there's always a little sharp tongue to to put you <laughs> back in your place as well. I think there's there's many a many a people who don't get the scouse wit and the scouse sarcasm. That I think you. You know, you've sort of got to embrace it, otherwise you, you may be offended by it, but it's just the way we are as people. <laughs> you, there's not much you can do about it. You're brought up like that, and that's <laughs> just just how we are. I think Klopp himself has got that. He, I think there was a clip going round, was it last week when he walks into the press conference, and the press officer was like, we'll take a, here's Jürgen Klopp, and he went, ah, Jürgen. Yes. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> in a proper Scouse accent, and it was like, He's got it. He just knows what we are. He, he understands the people. He understands the little bit of banter and the sarcasm. He, he's just nailed it. Yeah, he is, and that's that's it. That that 
I mean, and in a way, Bill Shankly, going back to Bill Shankly, as we quite often do, same kind of thing, you know, that socialist outlook, that looking after each other way of doing things, you know, he was, he kind of, he was grateful to be where he was in the position he was, and he knew that every one of those fans would kill, you know, would love to be in his position, and he knew he had a job to do for them, and that's carried on. We've had a blip where, you know, let's think, the soon-to-retired Roy Hodgson certainly didn't fit into that mould. Um, as much as he wishes he would, but we're back there now, and this is the thing. And I think since we last did a show as well, Klopp signed his new deal as well. And there's definitely stuff he was saying in the way he was talking about it that that refers to how much this city has made him want to stay. It's not just about the club; it is about the city as well and the people and the way he's been made to feel welcome. And I know there's quite a few Everton fans maybe wouldn't say it. You know, Blues who might just sort of speak to you quietly and that who love Klopp but they can't really say it too loud because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you love the guy? I think most most fans of most of the clubs, unless you've got some weird hatred, would love to have Klopp as the manager. And deep down, they'd probably say, I'd love I'd love it if he was our manager because he, he just connects so well with people. I think maybe Chelsea fans because they've got that upper snobbery class that they think they're, you know, they're better than everyone else and the very degrading to a lot of people. Maybe they would be the only ones who'd think like, you know, we're, we're too good for them. Um, but like, deep down, Man United fans would have loved to have Klopp. Like, he turned them down. So they'd probably go, oh, well, you know, no, we didn't. But yeah. they'd love to have him. City fans would love, if, if they said, who could you have to replace Pep tomorrow? Klopp would be pretty high on a lot of their lists. And, and that goes for many other clubs. And even Everton, like, you know, he'd, he'd create that mentality of what the Evertonians, you know, think they've got where it's us against the world sort of thing. And he would embrace it. And, you know, the fist pumping and the chest pumping would go down well at Goodison Park. I think, you know, when we did actually play, I can't remember if it was before the Derby, our last uh, podcast, but the chance from the copper, Frank Satori. And, yeah. you know, deep down, that's probably bugging him. Because he is, he knows he's admitted. There's no, there's no denying it. The statements are out there. It's true, and Everton fans probably think, well, you know, well, did, did we really go for the right guy here? Because, you know, he's he's openly Tory in a very Labour socialist city. Um, we'd love to have someone like like man of the people like Klopp deep down, but yeah, you've got to get them in a dark room on their own in the corner to admit that. But it's just the type of man he is that that shows that around the world, around the country. He's the man that most people would want in their club. I think you, if you if you do get someone like Klopp, well, you've got to look after him as well. And I mean, not the same kind of person, but I mean, they had Ancelotti not long ago, and I saw a few Blues that were sort of, you know, sort of sad thinking about you know that he was their manager not long ago, and there he is now taking his ta- his team to a Champions League final. But they had Benitez who's done the same. They had other managers who who maybe deserved a bit more time and a bit more patience. That you know, it's just a thing. They just they just turn very quickly and. When they're not turning on the manager, they're blaming it on everybody else, aren't they? Blaming it on us, blaming it on dodgy referees, and never really looking at looking at their own issues. And you know, unless this dog turns out to be like the savior they've been waiting for, <laughs> we might have the same thing next year as well. I think something that something that at least at least Everton fans don't have to worry about though is how on earth they're going to afford to go to a Champions League final if they get to one. It'd be a while before they have to think about that, I imagine. Um, but we were just talking before the show. Spirit of Shankly about to put a letter out, which is no surprise because now that we're in the final, the usual things happened. There's there's a stadium that holds 75,000, 80,000 people. We're getting about 20,000. 19,000. 19,000. The, the, the tickets we do get are ranging somewhere from, yeah, there's a few at 70 euros, but they go up to 690 euros and most of them are 180 euros. No concessions for people over 65, under 16s, no child adult packages. It's just going to be an expensive job if you can get a ticket. So first of all, there aren't many and when there are, they're expensive and the, the 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 thing that I think that stands out to me as well that Spirit of Shanky have said is something I'm I'm annoyed in a lot of ways but not surprised that when the European Super League kicked off Everyone was up in arms about it. Everybody, like, it's very rare in football. Everybody has the same opinion, but everybody thought it was a bad idea, including the clubs, including the Premier League, including UEFA. But 
all that rhetoric at the time was about how bad it is for the for the game and how bad it is for the fans and how you know football shouldn't just be about money and all the rest of it. Yet here we are now, and Spirit of Shankly have had to point this out to UEFA that basically you were you know you were slagging the Super League off. You, and they've actually got a quote from UEFA president Seferin, who'd said, "I can't understand how you can see your fans protesting and you don't care. You're full of money anyway. You're not poor, but you want more and more and more." And that's what he said to the Super League. Yeah, here we are today talking about this. It's it's time that the broadcasters kicked off about this, except they're the same broadcasters that are getting rich on this and only ever kicked off about it because they might have lost their exclusive rights. Is it, I think yeah. you know it needs it needs raising. It, I mean, it's not just about these tickets, but that's a start. But we need to stop letting this hypocrisy take this game over. I think it's very ironic that Mr. Gary Neville is not out shouting and screaming about this one because a mm. Man United aren't involved and b Sky on Champions League broadcasters. Yeah, just, just, just you know, just throwing that out there as a bit, bit of a you know throwaway comment. But he's very much open to hear about many things in life, and you know, some things he puts out there I hugely agree on. Um, he, he is, or he portrays himself as a very socialist character, and he does say a lot of the right things. But you know, harp it back to the European Super League or whatever it was. Um, 18 months ago and it was like him and Sky were you know leading the tirade against it and you know for their own reasons or for other reasons that that's up to personal opinion and discussion um, but at the end of the day what they always as you said part back to was it's fans it's always about fans and it's not only the the uh, Champions League final the FA Cup final that we got coming up in 8 days time as we record this um, the prices from the semi-final to the final nearly doubled in price for tickets. I, I my ticket for the semi-final um, went from what would have been sixty-five pound, I think it was, or seventy pounds. Sorry, at the semi-final is a hundred and fifteen at at the final at the final, and then upper tier tickets, which I've now actually taken. Fortunately enough, I've got one for the final at seventy pound. They were forty pound. Or forty-five pound for the semi-final, and then that obviously that's not in counting, you know, your transport down to London and everything else that goes on in the day. But the FA are just as bad as UEFA, as bad as the broadcasters, as bad as everyone else. Like fans, at the end of the day, are a bottom rung of the list, and yeah. I don't know what more we can do because sadly, at the end of the day, they know there'll always be someone else there in the queue to pay the money to get in the ground and. That 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 sh- it shouldn't be like that. I don't know what we can do, no. um, really, because like you know yourself, how hard Liverpool tickets are to come by. I'm in a fortunate position that I get them. Um, but you know, if, if I didn't want my ticket, I could offer it out there. It'd be gone in seconds. Like there's, there's enough people out there that want a ticket, um, and you know, if if every person who would who would potentially be going the game tomorrow for for Tottenham. 55,000, if they all turn around and said, oh, I'm not going because, you know, it's it's too much money, there'd be another 55,000 waiting to go in and then another 120, 130,000 yeah. waiting to go after them. It's just, I think they're exploiting fans and I don't know where they can go about it, but the, the UEFA final, Champions League final is, is scandalous and like, that's not even including getting there. We, we can get into that one in a second, but not only that the tickets that they put on at those prices, there's reduced ticket prices of what these categories are. So there's a four hundred and fifty pound ticket reduced to three hundred and eighty pound for a restrictive view. <laughs> How is it a restrictive view in the Stade de France? I, I really don't know. There's, every single category has got a restrictive view option. I'd love to know where the restrictive view options are in the Stade de France because, as far as I'm aware, it's a relatively modern stadium. You're not talking about Goodison Park here with the massive steel pillars in the middle. I don't know where they're coming from, but even the restrictive views, you know, would you really want to be paying £380 for a restrictive view to watch the the pinnacle of the game? I don't think so. I, I'll i be going to Palace myself, but I don't think I'm getting a ticket for any, any love or money, but I'm purely going for the experience. And but you- the, the trouble is, though, they know that they can charge for a restricted view ticket. And I mean, let's face it, if you've ever been in the Anfield Road lower in a match in a European night and you've been at the back of the Anfield Road lower, 
you're probably not seeing a lot of the game because everyone stands up. And when you stand up there, you can't see half the pitch. You know, you can't see the goal at the other end and stuff like that. So you spend most of the game sort of jumping down and yeah, trying to just see around things. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just difficult to see. But what I will say is if you are in there, because that's where you've ended up and it's a big night, you'll never forget your night you had. It's still amazing. It's still something to remember. And that's what they know. Do you know that they can get away with stuff because what because what we will put up with we put up with shit for years to to be blunt about it and I mean all the way back to Hillsborough and I can remember distinctly before Hillsborough before that semi final that I can remember that for, at the time the newspapers used to kind of print what the average attendance was for each club they used to kind of put it in on a Sunday because it was that was about there weren't many stats around then so that always filled a bit of space and I can always remember that that forests average home gate that season was something like 18,000 and ours was something like 45,000 and that was you know that was that was then it was time for the semi-final dishing out the allocation of tickets and we got 18,000 and they got 23,000 or something and I can just remember thinking that we got an allocation that was equivalent to the sort of average home gate they got an and not you know a fraction of ours and they got an allocation that was more than the average home gate uh, what happened, everything else that happened hills, but that's another story on top of it. But that that's the kind of attitude that it's been all along. That there's never any sort of ability to kind of look at how many fans there are and sorting them out with tickets, getting them in, helping them to get in, helping it to be affordable. I honestly well, think yeah. you've only got to look at how football was during COVID. I mean, that season where there were no fans was horrendous to watch on TV. And most of their money comes from TV and sponsors who are paying for having their names put on TV and everyone wanting to watch it. If all the fans stopped going to games, they wouldn't be on TV much longer because no one would watch it. It wouldn't be as interesting anymore. We all carried on because we knew it was going to come back. And I think somehow we've got to get that message to the man which they rely on us and maybe us stop relying on them. But I really, I genuinely don't know the answer other than keep pressing and pressing and pressing at them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it happens. I, I did see that Roma, uh, given all their fans who were eligible, or, well... Sorry, I'll rephrase that. Roma have got to the Conference League final, which, as far as I'm aware, is in Albania. I could be wrong. In a stadium that holds around about 20,000. So they're probably only going to get an allocation of about five or 6,000 if you go under percentages similar to the Champions League, where each club is getting a shade under 25% of the the allocation, the, the capacity of the ground. And obviously, Roma are a huge, huge club in Europe and in Italy. But what they're doing is a ballot for their fans um, who are eligible and they'll get the tickets for free because, yeah. you know, how, how do you how do you single out, like, to get to Albania, of all places, um, and dish out 6,000 tickets or whatever? And I'm, I'm guessing it's 6,000. It could be more. Um, and that's just a really good gesture by the club. Like, you know, they're, they're looking after the fans. They understand that... that you know, it's not the premium competition in Europe, but the fans have been there week in, week out sort of thing. And, you know, all the way through the competition, the Stadio Olimpico has been there enough full, I was reading. So they've, they've supported the fans. The fans support the club and they're looking after them in one way or another. You know, many clubs could do that. I think Liverpool have reduced their... Took a, took an allocation of, I think it was 5,000 or something, free tickets from UEFA but they use that to reduce the cost of the lower two categories of tickets but they're still an expensive cost of ticket as you say I think it was 180 was it you were saying is, is the like, I think that's the category 3 and then the, the yeah. category 4 70 or 80 euros and Liverpool have used their free tickets in quotation marks to reduce the uh, the band price of those tickets but more, more could be done um, by the clubs, more could be done by everybody. Um, but sadly, football's a business, and at the end of the day, the bottom line is money, and that's all they probably really care about. I could, yeah, I can remember going to the, the final in Kiev, and I had I, I was I was going over, but I didn't have a ticket, and I had I had a few kind of leads on tickets, so I, I wasn't madly worried. I was, you know, I was sort of. I don't know, 50-50 in terms of how confident I was that I'd get a ticket. And I thought, if I don't get one, I don't get one. I'm sure there'll be, I won't be the only one. I'm sure we'll all find something to do while it's on. It's, you know, it's got to, I've got to try it. And as it was, I got a ticket on the plane over. 
And the price to face value, I can remember thinking like I didn't mind paying it because I kind of told myself I might have to end up paying over the odds. I'm not I'm not a fan of touts, but you know, you sometimes have to resign yourself that if that's the only way you're going to get one, then maybe that's what it's going to be. And I, I I would have still been reluctant to do it, but I thought you know back of my mind how much would I go up to? When I got the ticket, I'm thinking, you know, I would I would have been sort of annoyed at a tout charging that much for a match i think i can't remember what it was now but you know it, it may have been 140 150 euros or something and i'm thinking you know it's just stupid it really is stupid and at one time finals used to be pretty cheap they weren't ever that expensive so it's just it's just it kind of like like everything no matter how good things are there's always someone that's going to come along and make them not so good the only thing i will say though is that whatever happens that stadium will be full I reckon that when you look around, you'll find that it's not just a fifth of the stadium that belongs to the, the colours of the two fans. I'm pretty sure that all those tickets that went in the back ballots, you know, the general sale ballots, if you like, and all the ones that go to corporates, will find their ways into the hands of Liverpool and, and Madrid fans. And any sort of talk about how your ticket can be restricted because you've got to have your passport against it or something like that is complete and utter nonsense because you cannot administer that for a final. It, you know, as long as your ticket's not a forgery, you'll get in. Um, the only thing, the other, only thing I will say is, if you are looking at tickets, please be careful because there are so many con artists around. Just really, really be careful. Have a really good think, you know, because you may end up with a fake ticket. You just don't want that to happen, or even not a ticket at all. So just, just be careful when you're looking for your tickets. Yeah, there's, say, there's a lot of, a lot of people chancing their arm, um, especially in the day and age of social media, even for the. I had the Carabao Cup final not so long ago. <coughs> Excuse me, not so long ago. I was mooching around, especially on Twitter, you know, seeing if I could pick one up and the price was quoted. You know, they, they were outrageous. And not only that, like, people were saying they haven't even got the tickets. So they was, at one point, there was three different people or accounts I contacted and they were selling the same ticket. Like, so so it, it didn't exist. Someone had posted the tickets online somewhere um. and they basically stole the photo and were trying to rip people off by using this ticket. Um, and it was the same block, the same seats, the same row, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, every time you go, I just, I was played, you know, a bit of bit of see, idiocy and so they, oh, where, where, where's the ticket for? Oh, it's in block, whatever. Oh, I'm a cheat after, blah, 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 blah. Uh, what row is it by any chance? And, you know, all the time I was just like playing along and it would always come back to the same one. And I was like, wait, well, you're not, so therefore, I, I reported a couple of people, like you know, or you blew them up. I posted a couple of people on on Twitter, like don't trust this person or this seller because they're trying to rip people off. And sadly, it, it's the day and age that we live in where there's there's that many people out there looking to take advantage of others. Um, you've just got to try and look after each other as much as you can. If you if you're fortunate enough to have a ticket for the game, then just also be be really careful with it because. You know, there there will be, you know, pickpockets and stuff about just be make sure if you if you are going, you you're in a, a a small group of people that you you trust and keep close by. Like that's that's what I'll be doing. We'll be travelling without tickets, with the you know no realistic chance or hope of that we'll get one. But we'll be sticking together as a as a group of four or five, and you know anywhere we go, we'll do it as a group because you're out of your own country, you're out. To your own source of comfort zone, you've got to look after each other. Okay, there'll be probably about a hundred thousand Liverpool fans there, but you've still got to make sure you you look after your own, and that, yeah. that, that's that's just what we are as people. You'd always make sure you look after your own. That's it, because I mean, I mean, you know, all joking apart, I mean, you you do have a couple of drinks, you know, you, you end up a little bit sort of brave and all the rest of it. But if there's a group you like that, there's always one of you that just like just didn't just got enough sensible sort of ability left in them. To carry on looking after the mate, and then maybe later on they kind of they someone else takes that shift over of being the sensible one. But you know, it is about looking after each other, keeping an eye out for each other, just just watching out. Um, and of course, um, lots of sarcasm. Of course, if you step out of line, um, that's just how it is, isn't it? It's it's part of travelling as a red. Yeah, and that, I mean, we can just on the on the money aspect that the cost of travel is it's ridiculous. Um, oh, yeah. Like they're looking at six hundred and fifty pounds for chartered return flights from Liverpool to Paris, and you'll literally probably spend twelve to eighteen hours on the ground in Paris before you're back in, in Liverpool. Um, there's, there's there's not a lot you can do about that. Again, the exploitation of fans is there because they know um, 
they'll pay it. I, my girlfriend works at Liverpool Airport. Before we even kicked off Tuesday night, there was nearly 70 flights scheduled to go live should Liverpool go through. Um, obviously through various travel companies and um, airlines and stuff like that. And, you know, the, you don't need to go far to search who these companies are, but, you know, the, the, they've done a lot of travel. They know what they're doing. But the ballpark figure for a return charter flights from Liverpool to Paris is £650 flat fee. Like, there's fees above that if you want to include hotels and other bits and bobs. But it's basically just accepted that I think when we went to Kiev, it was 800. When we went to Madrid a few years ago, it was 650, 700. It's 657 it's a quid now for Paris. And I, I, I was speaking to her and said, like, well, you know, you can probably fly one one aircraft to Paris and back three times in the time it took to get an aircraft to Kiev when we went there a few years ago. Or when we went to Madrid, like, you could probably get a, an aircraft to Paris and back and back to Paris again in that time. Surely the price had come down. She said, "Well, you'd you'd like to think so, but these companies know what they're doing, and sadly, through what what they've gone through with COVID, they're now just exploiting people and trying to recoup profits, which I know, you know, when, yeah, when how do you win? When, well, when I when it was Kevin, also um, Basel, I I know about chartering flights to some extent because not I didn't go chartering flights, but I, I was helping out people who were, and so certainly for Kiev, they had flight lined up sort of like you know sort of made inquiries about it and the price for cut charter and the whole thing was whatever it was i don't know i can't remember the figure um and it just basically like doubled as soon as liverpool got through and it was double like if you buy it now and you had to put down instantly like you had to buy the whole plane you know whatever the cost is of the whole plane you had to put that down there and then in some kind of sort of safe account and then try and make your money back and if you didn't do it there and then it was going to go up and up and up and i think that you know there's so much goes on with that that it's um it's clearly lots of people are making profit, but it might actually be the people who own these planes or or, or license these planes out. I think think about them coming backwards and forwards. I know the crew that was on the charter flight we went, they basically spent the day just sitting around waiting until it was time to fly us back again. So I don't know whether there's issues on um crew having to have rest breaks and things like that. But you, as you say, there's, there's there's always ways to sort things out. There's always ways to to have people in place and to work something out between them. I'm sure. If there were that many people flying there every day, there'd be plenty of crew to be able to work it all. So it's, um, but it is everyone who can make a bit of profit out of a football fan will make it. And the trouble is, we all fall for it. So that's the what downside is, to it, isn't yeah, it? You know, Liverpool fans are savvy enough. They're, they're well travelled. They, they'll find a route. They'll find the best, cheapest route that they can. And you know, a lot of people will go on adventures. They'll go via other countries, um, and they'll be there on mass. I think there was. I think they don't even Liverpool themselves, but I'll do the day like on a uh, on the ballot email I got yesterday. I think it was to say if you obviously if your criteria were eligible for the ballot um, for the very small amount of tickets that will be available, uh, do not travel to Paris without a ticket. And it's like that's just the most throwaway line. Like, yeah. did they not see what happened in Madrid? Like, we will take more to Paris than what we took to Madrid because it's so much easier to get to from England. That's um, the thing, yeah, going to Ukraine, it's not somewhere you just need to, but people did. People got clapped out minibuses and things, didn't they? And, and thought, we'll get oh, yeah. there, we'll get back and we'll bin it at the end, whatever. You know, going to Paris, it's, people do it every day. So it's not, it's like, it's no, it's probably actually cheaper on a normal day away from this. It's probably cheaper to go to Paris than it is to go to London. Yeah, 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 you could. You could probably fly to Paris, or I mean, there's I know there's a few people flying into Belgium and Holland and Germany and getting trains for like you know a fraction of the cost of what it get. You'll probably get a train from Amsterdam to Paris for the price it pays to get from Liverpool to Leeds, yeah, um, in the UK. And like, you know, just there's so much that can be said or that that's a different conversation, but yeah, we, we will get there one way or another, like. Liverpool have got there as a club and Liverpool as a fan base will get there and more than be represented across the city and as you said earlier on we might only have a fifth official allocation of the stadium but you can more than guarantee there'll probably be about half or more of that alloc- that stadium will be red on the night yeah there's a, that's the thing we always find a way and I mean it, it can be sort of frowned upon by some but you know 
there's, there's ways to get into football grounds safely and stuff. And there's always, there's all, I don't know. We, we've, we, we just do. We just get there and we just support our team and we can always hear our team. Even if it's one of those grounds where they make away fans sit up in the, in the gods, you can still hear our fans singing. And it's just an amazing time to be at a final. If you ever get the chance to go one, get to one if you can. It's, it's something special. But I do think, you know, on the whole ticket should go to those who've been able to go every game. And I think what Roma are doing is amazing if that's what they're doing. Because if people have turned up for those games that are sort of like, I don't know, reminds me of the Screen Sports Super Cup that was a thing back in the 80s that no one wanted to go to. And it lasted, I think, one season. It's, you know, it, if you if you go, you deserve to go to the final. You know, if you've gone to the early rounds, you deserve to go to the final. It's just there's no no fair way to do things in football. But you know what? It's good to be a Liverpool fan because we've got this to to laugh about and to to joke about. And thinking of all these finals that's coming up, it's also a league games in between all these as well. But with what's left for Liverpool this season, it's just it feels like every game is a is a final now, and. You can sort of think there's not one player supposedly get. I don't think anyone's getting dropped. You're getting rotated. You're getting shifted out because there's someone who's fitter or maybe better for that role. It's it's going to be fun to watch what's left of this season on all fronts, whatever happens. Yeah, I think collapse of themselves. And it? it was cup final mode since January or something like that, um, which was quite you know. A statement to put out there that we had what, about 40 cup finals to play given all our games <laughs> we played but um, what, what is left for us and you know you're not in control of everything um, you're not in control of anything really in football you know it's, it's it's out there to be negotiated on the field but you know the, the two cup finals we're in we're more in control of because obviously it's a it's a one-off game um, but the other games that we've got in the Premier League the four remaining games we have got to just treat them as individual games because we can only look after ourselves. We can only do our own business. We can only make sure we play our own game to our our best ability. And you know, if we if we get over the line, brilliant. If we don't get over the line, you know, it's it's just what it is. Um, there's not much more we we could have done. You can always look back and pinpoint certain points in the season, but they've been and gone. Um, at the end of the day, this Liverpool team has only lost. So three games all season, and one of them was arguably a throwaway game against Inter Milan. Um, the other two games were West Ham and Leicester, which you look back now and they're, they're a bit better to taste. I think Leicester one was a bit more a bit of better taste in the mouth because it was in between Christmas and New Year. It was a jovial time of the year, and I don't think anything sort of went right for us that night. We just didn't seem to turn up, um, but. Since then, that's sort of been like a trigger point. And like, right, we we do not lose. We do not take our eye off the ball. And as you say, with the players, it's it's there's no one being dropped. Um, as you say, it, it, it's brought in for for whatever reason. That you know, the old horses for courses cliche. But you can go all the way through the team and say, like, well, I don't know if we were saying last time on the pod that there's certain games that you you know you want. A certain player, for example, Joel Matic or Ibu Kanate, you know you'll want a certain player for that game or it might be a certain game for Luis Diaz or Diogo Jota or Sadio Mane through the middle. It's the luxury of having this squad that we've got um, and we've managed it that well to get to this position. That That's why we're in this position of, of being in, in cup finals and in the hunt for the, for the title with four games to go and, you know, We've seen what can happen in cup games this week alone. Things can change in the in the flick of an instance. You know, it only takes two minutes to score two goals <laughs> as it is. Yeah. Um, you know, the league can be changed if if we treat every game as a cup final, as a cup not cup sort of competition game. They can change in an instance. We just don't know. Like, un- the only unfortunate thing is that, or maybe maybe it is fortunate. I don't know that we play now before Man City. Our next two league games. Spurs on Saturday and Villa on Tuesday right Man City play Newcastle on Sunday and Wolves on Wednesday so it's on us now to to put the marker down put the pressure on yeah. and we've seen they don't like pressure Wednesday night was a classic example they do not like pressure they don't like chaos they don't like atmospheres and fingers crossed by one way or another in the four games they've got left they've got to go to Wolves who've caused some problems in the past. You've got a go to West Ham who spursly went out of the Europa League last night. 
they've got to play for something for this season. They've got to play to get back in the Europa League next season. Those fans will want to be back on that European adventure they've been on this year. Hopefully, you know, by one way or another, the pressure that we put on by playing before them and atmospheres, there might just be, you know, a chink in the armour because it, the evidence was there Wednesday night. If you, if, if you do apply enough, the, the pressure will explode at some point. Well, that's the thing. I think, like, Liverpool have been a scalp for sort of teams below them in the league for years because of all the stuff that went on in the 70s and 80s. And now we're a scalp again. I mean, if you beat Liverpool, it's such an achievement. And, you you know, you, you're rightly going to boast about it and and so on. And I think, that to some extent, maybe Man City is one of those situations, except I think what can also happen is you can get clubs who almost think that these teams are unbeatable and they're like, well doesn't matter if we lose this one, does it? And they kind of almost go into it as if they've already been beaten before they started. And I think as long as some of these people are facing and look at it and think, look, these are beatable, look at them, they're beatable. I mean, Liverpool, can you imagine how... I don't think City would have coped against Villarreal. If they'd, you know, if they'd have been in the position we were in and then they'd gone to Villarreal and faced what we faced, I reckon they'd have been behind by half-time. Not level on aggregate, behind. Because I just think they did have, did have crumbled under it. So... The question, I suppose, now is whether these other clubs can just uh, just turn the screw on Man City for us. Wouldn't you know? Just do us a bit of a favour. Just um, competition integrity and all that. Just put everything into beating them for us if you can, because you know they're going to be stinging, and that's going to work one of two ways. It's either going to be you'll see the best game they've ever played, or they'll still be nervous and 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 affected by it. And you know, you also wonder if it's going to cause any rifts amongst them. Because I'm sure they've, every single one of those players has got ideas about who should and shouldn't have started and who should and shouldn't have come on and when the subs should have been made and things like that. So uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how how together they are. Because I think that's one thing Liverpool definitely have. We're a team that's together. We're a squad that's together. We're all there for the same thing. I just don't know whether City have got the same. Maybe they have, but have they? We'll see. No, I just don't think they have. Um, again, it... it it always hard backs the leaders and you know, you listen to other uh podcasts like on Anfield Index was listening to Dave and Carl's scouted the one leading into the Tottenham game this morning and they were speaking about like, you know, the leadership and the the lack of gnarl and, you know, nastiness within the Man City team and when the more you think about it, it really is pretty much comes down to that. When when you when the chips are down you need people to stand up and count and be fighting, be fighting next year. And City don't really have that. If if it comes down to to playing ugly against West Ham or even Newcastle at the weekend, because as you say, it's either a hangover performance or it's a, a fight back performance. Newcastle put up a decent showing against us. Like yeah. we win, we win better than you know third gear, which you know we've we've, we've talked about gears before in the past, but. Um, we just done enough, but you know if if City are in a situation, you know, when Newcastle maybe keep it to one nil or keep it to nil nil, and you know, force the screw and force the pressure. After after got the the leaders and the fighters in the team to to stand up and and put it against them, and you know Newcastle will go there with nothing to lose. They played us with nothing to lose, and yeah. you know the the. the the what are the third best team, second best team on on performance this calendar year? Yeah, they're they're going to go and have a go because they want to be where Man City are because obviously the the money coming into them, rightly or wrongly, however you, you judge that, their their goal is to be where Man City are as quickly as they can possibly get there. So they're going to want to lay down a market and prove that, especially those players who they brought in and those that they've already got that they they're good enough to. To wear that black and white shirt and, and play for them, so I, we're we're thinking of any way and wishing any any possibility for us to to gain an advantage and for Man City to drop points because that's what it's going to take. But I think we're 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 the team, and as as you said, we're, they're not. We're we're more comfortable. We we would feel absolutely fine if we were to go in on on Saturday night against Tottenham one 0 down at half time. We would know that we've got enough in our team, enough in that. Squad enough in the management on the sidelines to to turn it round. Where have Man City? The, the the question mark remains. Where we we know that we've been there and done it. So I think that's the difference at the moment between us. Yeah, I hope so. I hope, I hope so. Obviously, for obvious reasons, I hope so. I mean, it's 
it's and it's just important that we keep up our end of the bargain because if we you know and it could it, it literally be the last two minutes of the last of the whole league season that things change so that's that's how how it could end up being that that things are decided so we've just got to keep going taking every game as it comes and winning them if we can you know believing we can but being respectful but and that includes Chelsea of course just just quickly on Chelsea in the FA Cup final it's um it's about you know it's one of those teams that we just felt like certainly from sort of the, the time Rafa arrived and they got Mourinho and they got taken over by Russia and stuff sorry by a Russian owner I should say <laughs> um, it just feels like we we just go through these phases where we can't stay away from them don't we and here we go here we are again but this time a German manager against a German manager is it I don't know it's not going to be an easy match is it but how are you feeling this it's a bit bit far off yet but how are you feeling. Um, more confident now going into the FA Cup final than what I was for the Carabao. Um, obviously, certain things have transpired with the under mm-hmm. sanctions. Then I can't quite remember if they were they were under sanctions under the, for the Carabao Cup final or not. Um, I don't think they were quite yet. But even if they were, it was only in the very early days of it. Um, but you know, we, we we've played them three times this year, and in ninety minutes we've drew with them every time. But I, I think over the past, well, what is it, eight, nine weeks, ten weeks maybe since the Carabao Cup final, um, the two teams have gone in opposite directions. We've powered on down the road and churned out win after win after win. And Chelsea have stuttered and faltered. And I think, you know, that there could be question marks as to whether the off-field stuff is having an influence. You've got players in the squad out of contract and, no, that they're not there next season. You're looking at likes of Rudiger, Christiansen, Aspilicueta. Um, there's, you know, the Lukaku issue. You know, the there seems to be a bit of a disharmonious feeling within the team that the way they played in Madrid and they sort of fell apart and went up to the Champions League, similar to Man City. Um, you know, they just feel like the they're just sort of falling over the line as such, where. We're sprinting to the end of the line, you know, our heads are down, we're going for it. Um and I, I just feel that, you know, all the momentum is with us um going into that. I mean, we've got two league games before then, who knows how the league will lie going into the, the FA Cup final. We could be noses in front, we could be nose just behind. But yeah. I just I just feel like now we I feel so much more relaxed going into that game than what I did for the Carabao Cup. I was really nervous for the Carabao Cup and I think we, we've got enough now, especially with like the sign of Luis Diaz. He's he's an X Factor player, and he was brilliant in the Carabao Cup when he played against them. And he's settled even more since then. Like he's obviously been here longer. He will learn the system, the 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 pressing game, how we how we operate as a team. It's just more cohesive. I just think that we've we've just got more of an edge now. I I feel more confidence. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I know. I think that's the thing. I mean, I, I respect every team we play, even the teams that are sort of the minnows, if you like, when you played an FA Cup third round game. I, you know, you've got to respect everyone, but you've got to have belief in yourself. And I, I do believe in us. I think it's interesting as well that you mentioned the off-field stuff because I've noticed them blaming that for what's going on. Now, okay, you can get a bit of unrest because players wanted new contracts and aren't getting them. So maybe agents are sniffing around and players are getting distracted. But when you when you actually got your players in the dressing room before a game, when you got them on the training ground getting ready for it, that's the same squad that you had before the sanctions started. You know, you're not you've not actually lost anyone. You've got the same players, same manager, same everything. There's no excuse for blaming the off field stuff. But if they're blaming that, then that's good. Because in a way it means maybe they're not seeing whatever the real problem is and maybe if they saw the real problem they could fix that instead of hiding behind other things. excuse me, other things. So I quite like it when I hear stuff like that because you know, unless it's just a front for the media type of thing, it suggests they don't know what the problem is and it could get worse before it gets better. And as long as it doesn't get better this season, then we're sorted, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, you don't. Need, I don't know. There's that much, that much said in the media and stuff. You, you become like disconnected from it. You just don't really pay any attention. So over the past couple of years, there's that much going on with COVID and like the, the stuff with Ukraine and Russia and all the things that are going on. You, you kind of just don't take any notice of the yeah. news. Sometimes you can, you, weeks can pass you by before you realise, oh, this is the news we're watching tonight, or that's what's going on in such a place. Because you know, 
I don't know about yourself, but I sort of just think, oh, I've just got to live in my own world and make sure that my world and my people around me and the best I can do. Yeah, it is yeah. also all I, also all I can. That's all I can control and look after to the best of my ability. And that might sound like you know you don't really care about what's going on, but sometimes maybe say like the type of people we are from being from the pool that there's that much going on around you. You just got to look after yourself. Like, but we, we face well. we face that much adversity that yeah, as long as we're okay, then then that's just good enough for us. But also, I think there's that aspect of like. You hear stuff and you want to go and help. Like if you, you see some. I mean, I, I don't watch the news. I saw some harrowing pictures the other day. Some kids in Ukraine that have got disabilities, and and I just thought, oh my God, that's horrible for them. But what I, you know, I can't do anything about that personally. Maybe and if and if I did, there'd be another one on the news tomorrow. And then they get to a point where if you really, because you do care about people and, and you hate people, seeing people suffer, that you you can end up well unable to. You can't fix it all. So sometimes you are better off just sort of. Not that you don't care, it's because you care too much and you end up detaching yourself a little bit and maybe focusing on what you can do something about, which, as you say, could be things closer to home, it could be family, it could be friends. Um, certainly from a sport point of view now with football as well. Um, I used to be a time when I'd have Sky Sports News on all day in the background if I was at home. You know, I'd have it on in the evening if no one else was in. Might be reading a book or doing something else, but it'd be on in the background. I can't be, I can't be doing with it now. I just avoid it because it's just full of like stuff that winds me up all the time. And it's a lot of it is people just sort of saying stuff that, you know, they've not really thought about. So let's, uh, I just leave them to it, but I do hear snippets now and again, which is how I hear, um, I just keep what bits I've heard about Chelsea just feels like they're blaming other people, which is always good. I think for this week though, that's it. I think, you know, we need to go and have a bit of a rest now because, you know, you're going to need your voice for all these games. You're going to need to rest in between the matches. You know, being a fan isn't as hard as being a player, but, you know... My mind's finally recovered after, <laughs> after that 10-day stint between, I think it was Wembley, United, the Derby and Villarreal in 10 days. And my voice and throat was, was shot. <laughs> it was, it, it, it's only just recovered about two days ago. And you think, well, we've got, we've got Spurs at the weekend and I've got a week to get it back to normal for the FA Cup. And then... I think it's every weekend now. I've got a game. Yeah. Oh well, I'll be going. I'll be going over to to the Champions League final. And just while we're on that subject, I think there is a couple of people from AI going. Um, I don't know if Gags going over. And I think Eddie might be going over. Yeah. There's a couple of others mentioned, and um, I don't know if they're going to. I think Gags was looking at setting something up maybe on Discord. I think it was music. I don't use it very often. I'll pop my head in maybe for five, ten minutes every couple of days to see if there's anything um, posted, maybe the transfer chat or ticket news or stuff or whatever. But I think he is looking at setting something up, I think he said the other day, and maybe trying to arrange for, you know, people to meet up and have a chat and a drink or whatever over there, which would be lovely if you could meet some of the, yeah. the faces behind the account sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think just keep, if you are in the Discord community, to, then, you know, keep your eye out on that or maybe just keep your eye on Twitter. I think maybe there might be stuff put out there for people to meet up and, and Gavin. It would be, as I say, nice to to put some names or faces. I think when we went to Madrid, I managed to to see Gags and Eddie um, about 1am in the morning. They were in the, the corner of some square doing a few podcast recordings. But yeah, um, it, it's just nice to, to meet people because the, there's that, all these voices that we listen to. Um myself included i listen, listen to all these other people it is just nice to, to introduce yourself as people and say hello so yeah it just is, keep an eye on good. that i mean i i've worked you know working from home on the day job for a year before i actually met anyone because i changed day jobs and when i went in it was just good to actually see people in real life and stuff i mean you know you don't have to see them all the time but it is good and just getting to meet people and i think with stuff like this yeah it's good because you know we're, we're talking to you now and we want to know what you think you know it's out of it's, it's okay doing this but you know when you general life conversations that you have you get feedback of people you know you can tell if what you've said is good or bad if they agree or disagree and it's just that's how life is normal conversation so if you can if that is good and you are out there i hope you get the chance to catch up and if not um i'm hoping i don't know yet but we were all going to get together from ai over the summer 
and then COVID came along a couple of years back, and or, sorry, towards I think it was towards the end of the season, we we're going to get together. Then COVID came along and and just um, took that away from us. But I'm sure that when everything's settled down and we've got some time to think about it, that we'll do something like that and meet up in Liverpool as well, um, because yeah, football. I mean, they say football with fans is nothing, but you know, football's even better when you're with the fans. So I think that's a good thing for us to do. Have you? Um, Anything else you want to say before we call it a day? Any messages you want to send out to any uh, any local blues or anything who might still be listening? About <laughs> it? Uh, no, but you know, I didn't expect them to win last weekend, so that's g'd them up a little bit. Um, yeah. But they're still in the rele- they're still in the relegation zone. So if the season was to end tomorrow, they go down. That's yeah. that's that's all I keep reminding. Like you know, you can win last week, but you're still in eating. So you're still going down. Yep, um, yeah. Points on the board are worth more than games in hand and all the rest of it as well. So you know they've got to win these games, but we'll yeah. see. I think they'll survive, but we'll see. We'll see. We hope we don't. <laughs> yeah, Mixed I feelings. mean, by, by the next time we chat, I think we're we're hoping to get something back, maybe in a couple of weeks, which might be before the last game of the season. So you know, hopefully after the FA Cup final, before the last game of the season, we'll see. How many trophies we're still in the hunt for? How many maybe in the bag? Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll hopefully get something down before that last game, and we might have a better picture of who's going to win the league and who's going to the championship. Yeah. So yeah. So there you go. Speak to you. We will be back hopefully soon in a couple of weeks. I might pop. I think I'm on a couple of raws as well here and there. And either way, uh, maybe you'll hear us back in a couple of weeks with croaky voices because we've done so much shouting and, and stuff already but either way you'll hear us and look forward to it and thanks again as always for listening and speak soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.